A show for what? you. Why do you always use the word testicles? The testes, testicles. Right. Here we go. And boy, and we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat. And I'm Mike. And boy, boy do we have, have a, a show, show for you. you. Do we have to do that yeah. every week? I'd, re- I'd really rather Let's not. take a poll. Let's take, how about, why don't we say this? That will be the last time we ever do it on purpose. Okay. All right? Because it was funny because we, when we it did was, it the first time, it, it was, was an accident. accident. Right. Are so you getting a crackling noise? No, I'm not no. getting a crackling. I don't know. Um, but welcome back well, to Recovery to in the Middle. Okay, I was go. just turning up a little All bit. Right, yeah. uh, welcome back to another exciting week. This is our 21st episode. Year of Recovery in the Middle Ages. 21st year. This is Where have it. you guys been? Yes. <laughs> this is our uh, 20, you know, this is our silver anniversary. No, but <laughs> really, um, t- I was thinking about this. One of my goals for the show, besides being uh, rich and famous... Uh, How's that going? Not great, not great. <laughs> um, but one of the things is I was like, if we can get to a point where somebody could listen to us for an entire straight day, like then that's that's a lot of material. It's like a day's worth of recovery right there. It is, it is. 24 so, consecutive so, hour-long meetings. Yeah, so if you're having a... Um, a tricky day. You could just put us on for that whole time. Yeah. Um, that yeah. doesn't send you right back out to the alley to score. I don't know. We're, what, you know what? I'm going to move my chair over because the door is annoying me. It's bumping into me. So well, how have you been? How do you think it's like for me staring at your balls the entire time <laughs> uh, doing this? <laughs> I don't have a, a lower chair. You're on Hold like on. an elevated chair, like a like a, a dais, if you will, yeah. or a throne Hold of on, some a, sort. This is the throne. <laughs> All right. So tell tell me about you. Talk, let's talk about you, Me? Mike. Mike, how let's are talk you? About, let's what, talk about what we did yesterday. What did we do yesterday? We took a bunch of kids out into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. On a Boy Scout out. And they all came back out alive. Yep. Um, a little muddy. If you're just joining the show, uh, Mike and I do a, a Cub Scout thing together. Mike and I. <laughs> That's a good In other one. words, Mike does it <laughs> and um, I'm a, a leader in name only. Alino. Would you... That, you know, know what that sounds like to people who are listening? Can can everybody hear me like being uh, restless here? All right. Restless, irritable, and discontent. Okay. Ed. So anyway, we took the kids out for a hike in the cold because that was the thing. Yeah. That's the thing because they need that for to get their next badge. Now, I've been on the, uh, the text message. There's a group text message that... Mike sends that I'm on, mm-hmm. and um, I'm I'm used to my wife handling these things. Let me just say, <laughs> so. But since Mike and I are friends, of course, Mike's like, all right, well, I'll just put Ned on it. Since you your know, wife's not even on that, text she's message. not on it, which is a horrible idea. So yeah. for weeks, I've been getting these updates from you and the other parents, and and I'm only like peripherally. You should read them occasionally. I don't read them. What I do is I notice that they came in, and I say to myself, I'll I'll see what that is later. Right, and then. Then you'll say something to me in person about it. And okay, then what I, time am I picking right. up your son? <laughs> and I go, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. I'll just, I'll make sure I'll ask my wife. I'm sure it'll be fine. Then the day rolls around and I see another one of those texts. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. And <laughs> then I finally, then I tell my, my wife sheepishly over text, uh, wouldn't it be cool if Noah could go on the Cub Scout thing today? I'm sure it irritates her to no end <laughs> no. that she's like not in that loop because um, the thing is like when what she doesn't know, when doesn't you start her. a text message like group, if to add another number, like you can't do it on an iPhone. I, I, I would know. have to start it yeah. all over again with everybody's number and it's yep. such a pain in the ass, but I will do it because... Um, because your wife will respond more she than will. you do. Yeah. So anyway, so we take them out into the woods, and yeah. that was all fun and games. Um, yeah, it was a little hike, and um, you know, there was a funny moment when uh, I was using the flashlight because it was getting dark, right. and the flashlight started. I have a strobe feature on it, which sort of you know yep. is more. So there's one kid who was sort of bringing up the rear. You know, you got one kid in every Cub Scout group, but walking is not their strong point, right? Like we definitely have a couple they, of those. They don't like to walk, so um, we're like the bad news bears of. Uh, 
Cub Scouts. Yeah, I mean for for real. But we were, so we were talking and we were saying, oh, you know, strobe light can give you a seizure. And the <laughs> kid was like, hey, what's, what's a, a seizure? seizure? And I go, Nat. <laughs> yeah, he looks at me like I'm going to be able to. What, I forget what I said. It's when you, I said it's a short circuit in your brain. That was very good. Yeah, you see, that? I couldn't come up with the. Uh, I was like, yeah, it's when your head. And I have lots of experience in education, educating children. You know, about I, seizures. I took three Thanks. years of of a music education degree. I know. Story of my life. What did you do with them? What did I do? I've got, you should see my, (laughs) and uh, that one thing I'm going to do along with printing out my entire driving record to go over, because I've, I've realized that that's possible now that I can 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 get one of those export my, my complete, and I say complete, you know, I had my first suspension when I was 18. (laughs) So, um, and I'm 42. So there's a, a lot of, a lot of play in there. I wonder what your insurance bill is. It's, believe it or not, <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. But when I finally got my uh, insurance after not driving for three years, my last infraction was so long ago. See, that helps. That uh, it looks like I'm, I'm uh, in great shape. I'm in great shape. You so, are in great shape, I think. Uh, you know, fantastic shape. So the Cub Scouts was fun. You know, we... Um, we got to hang out. Uh, I mean, it was just you, me, and, and one dad and like four kids. Um, but I think, I don't know, our kids had fun. And I'm, I'm just happy to get my son outside. Anything to get him away from the freaking screen yeah. and out, out of the house, you know? You know, and getting better at that. You know, he's always been nonstop on his computer. So we had a little blowout, you know, because he's like any kid. He can't stop doing something that's great. And then he's breaking the rules and pissing off me and mom. Sounds and, like every adult alcoholic or uh, drug addict. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Let me, you know, which brings up an interesting point. Like, what do you think about this whole, you know, video game as an addiction thing? Because I look at my son, you know, going on third or fourth hour of, the, of mm-hmm. you know, playing games or he's just bouncing from... Three or four hours just getting started. With yeah, exactly. Like bouncing from his Nintendo Switch to the PC to, you know, the he's like into classic video games. So he's got an Atari 2600. He's got a little handheld. But like, I'm wondering, like, am I, am I creating... The, the neural pathways, you know, pursuant to our discussion last week and the last few weeks, am I creating the environment that is going to, he'll, he'll just transition over to like alcohol or something when he's, when he's a teenager, I, you know, I, I worry about that sometimes. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I do the same thing coming from, you know, I'm always trying to like, is that addict behavior? Mm. And I immediately project myself onto yeah, well, his right. behavior yes. and I'm like, addict behavior, that's addict behavior. Um, but doesn't Dr. Mate say that, you know, all addictions share similar characteristics and, you know, his CD buying addiction yeah. is the equivalent of a drug addiction just with a different focus, right? That the mind yeah, and wires this. You, you didn't know. like that, I think. And I did. I don't know if I didn't. Li- I, I don't think I liked it at first. And then it started making more sense the more I thought about it. But um, but now, but that terrifies me because then the kids are, have created this whole neural network. Now, I don't know. I, I don't think we're creating any trauma in our children. At least I don't think any trauma is being created in my house, but who knows, right? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, man. I mean, my, the thing with, for me, like, of course, at first, my first goal is to have my son doing things that are outside and intellectual. Yes. Like, that's just the way I was raised to think that that is the, the ultimate, you know, it's either educational it's or it's educational or both. Well, there was no internet when we were growing up. No, right? there wasn't. So. I mean, I had computers and, you know, like I had an Atari 2600 mm-hmm. and I had the Nintendo Entertainment System and mm-hmm. we had the Apple IIc and I was playing Aquatron, you know, with right. a floppy disk and, you know, typing in at the C prompt and, <laughs> you know. Those old DOS-based games? Uh, Choplifter was one of my favorite. Wow. Choplifter yeah. was a good one. Uh, or did you ever have like the, the, the crappy, uh, you know, PC version of Pac-Man? It was called something else and it wasn't in color, you know? Listen, when I was growing up, the, the, the only computers, there was no Windows. There was no graphical interface at right. all. It was just C colon yeah, exactly. or whatever. You know, if I'd have to, you know, 20. Blinking you know, cursor. You type line 10, fart, line 20, go to 10. And then it yeah. just prints fart all over the screen, right? That's, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that was my, you know, and now kids, you know, they can beat my son slips an Oculus 2 over his head and he's in Star Wars Dude, land. you're killing me. Like, Mike, for his kids, they got an Oculus Quest 2. Not for no, no, first- not, not, the, not the two. It's just the regular Quest. And Ben got it for his birthday. You have the Quest. I have you the Quest. You don't have the new Quest. I don't have the Quest have 2. you have the Quest. So right. you've got the Quest, which my son wants, because we have the Oculus Go, of course. So yeah, the Go is... 
Yeah. yeah, please. Thank you. I, I know. I know. And then you got the PS5, which I also didn't get. So now, when my son goes over to your house, he's like, how come Ben's Jeez. family has a PS5, a trampoline, electric scooters, uh, a bow and arrow? Because Ben's family and, makes poor financial decisions. And, <laughs> That's why. What? <laughs> why does Ben's dad love him and you don't love me? And I'm like, I'm like you don't get it. Uh, I love Ben more than you, too. You're an <laughs> asshole, so I don't buy you anything. Ouch. Um, you know. That's just what I said. Computers are funny, aren't they? Hilarious. My CPU is a neural net processor, a learning computer. (laughs) But Skynet presets the switch to read only when we are sent out alone. That's the kind of computer I had. I don't know about you. What's the matter with you? (laughs) So, yes. So, that's uh, how insecure I am around Mike and his um, happy, successful family. Mm. Um, But, yes, we had a great time. Did you call me by my real name a minute ago? No, I think I said Mike. Okay. I always say Mike. I'm going to have to go back. That's your real name, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. It is now. Is this a pseudonym? (laughs) Are you telling me this is a pseudonym? Um... But um, my thing is, man, I just don't want Noah, my son, to spend all of his time on one stupid thing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, especially if it's YouTube or TikTok, right. which I hate the most. So I try and think of it in terms of, okay, if he's on the computer for six hours, which it is not unheard of for him to do that on a weekend, um, then I want him to be playing a game either by himself mm. or with, you know, like your son or some other friends. Strangers on the internet. Hopefully not. For the most part, from what I can tell, it, it's usually, I'm like, who are you on with? It's right. like Evan, it's Ben. Mm-hmm. So uh, my younger son is different though. On Roblox, he talks to everybody. But Yeah, Roblox, you just it's all these randos. It is, know? but they have a lot more filters on what you can and can't say. So yeah, it's okay. not as like freaky. Yeah. 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 That's the new flavor is the Roblox. Roblox is yeah. huge. So, so long as he's doing something, you know, like in after a couple hours where he's actively participating in a comp- competitive game of some kind, mm-hmm. whether it's Fortnite or Minecraft, you know, so I try and think like, okay, well, how much is he thinking and what is he doing exactly? You know, sometimes he's working on designing a game. He got this uh, program called Game Salad, which is just like an, an online membership type of thing, oh, wow. which is a platform for you to be able to make video games without, you know, real coding. Oh. So it's like a whole have to check that game out. salad, but yeah. it's not cheap. It's like 20 bucks a month. So I made him prove to me. I know we're, we're taking some time. No, here. no, I'm looking. Oh, I got a notification that someone was at my front door. So. We have a lot to talk about today. And boy, do we have a show for you like you wouldn't believe. That didn't actually make any sense. Before we, I went too <laughs> far and I forgot about this, I'd really like to read a review. Is that okay? Yeah, did, go ahead. Did we already read this? <laughs> because when I sent it to you, you said, oh, yeah, I remember that's from two weeks ago. Yeah. Did we already read this on the air? I don't know. I don't think we did. So we got this really great review. Uh, and from the name of the user is Jeff Miz. And I don't know if this is our friend Jeff or not. Oh, maybe. Um, so the uh, it's a five stars. And it says funny, witting, charming. And then it trails off. Um, Because it doesn't show me. Nat and Mike have created something special here with their podcast. They, They are a couple of guys that any husband or dad can relate to if you're an addict, alcoholic, or have an addiction problem. The podcast is engaging as it is is as engaging as it is helpful. Mm. Bottom line is that this podcast helps people stay clean. But here's the catch. You have to listen. I love that. That should be on yes. our, that should should be be our a, catch motto phrase. of our Facebook page. But here's the catch. You have to listen. Kudos for being creative and unique in your approach to addiction and recovery. The world needs a ton of healing these days. And you guys are part of the solution. Keep up the good work. Thank you for helping me stay clean today. That the truth. Thank you so much, Jeff. That is amazing. Thanks, thank Jeff. you, thank you, thank you. We love it. Um, but we do have a great show for you today. It was Mike's brilliant idea. He really took the uh, bull by the horn on this one to do idea. smart recovery. Oh yeah. You know, normally I'm like limping along, trying to piece together, you know, some kind of outline, and then. Um, but this week, it's a brand new year. We're trying to professional things up around here. So we actually started having a meeting before the show. Right. So we're going to start meeting. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean it. Yeah. Like we're going to meet like crazy. We're going to put shit together. We are going to do gonna it. be like almost like a real thing. So you might, you may see increased quality in uh, show content or decreased. We'd like you to, you to let us know either way. And t-shirts. And Those are coming. Uh, t-shirts. But this, yeah. That was oh. part of our meeting, by yes. the way. Merch. We got to speak with uh, um, uh, our, one of our, our listeners, um, Jeff, who's also uh, really a pro shirt guy. Uh, and he reached out to us. I think I mentioned this in the last show. We got a chance to talk to Jeff, which was great. And I'm very excited um, about the possibilities. Not excited yeah. for the amount of work I'm going to have to do fulfilling shipping shirts and things. But whatever. Hopefully uh, you guys will order some when, once we make yeah, them available. We're going to make some tests and then we're going to give everybody an opportunity. You don't have to. but to, uh, to win them and get them. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, all right. Um, the other thing this week I wanted to mention that, um, I listened to Steve Adler's book. You missed, you skipped my birthday. Oh shit. Happy birthday, (laughs) by the way. Right over that. Right over it. (laughs) Well, okay. Steve Adler, never mind. Happy birthday. (laughs) Who's more important, me or Steve Adler? Oh, it depends on who you ask. But, uh, to me, you're the most important. So tell me all about what, what, which anniversary of your 29th birthday was this? Mm, it's somewhere down the pike. We're yeah. definitely getting a little long in the tooth. <laughs> 10th anniversary, 20th anniversary of my 29th birthday. So how middle-aged are you? Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty middle. Middle-aged? Upper, upper middle. Yeah, upper you know, middle. You're not quite at the point yet where, you, uh, where you're sitting in the... You're still sort of at the middle of the fulcrum when you look. Oh, there's this many years on this side, right? And there's this many years on this side. I'm good. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Once you start to, you know, get to my territory, you're getting you're closer like, to a senior discount at the movie it's theater. It's gonna have to. You have to be really lucky if there's as many years in the front as there are in the back. You know, I hope for <laughs> medical science. I hope for the best, but you know, hopefully they will, uh, you know, save your uh, decaying flesh. Well, and the, you know, birthdays are always a reminder that. Time is short. Nothing's guaranteed. And, you know, put your best foot forward every day and, you know, carpe diem to use more Latin. Carpe diem. I call him like I see him. And did you do anything? Did you have any kind of uh, celebration? The problem was I was dealing with this fucking toothache that I couldn't even chew any food. So, um, I did... Force yeah, crack order Chinese is nasty food. on your teeth. It, right? Yeah, well, no, you don't rub crack on your teeth. You don't. That's, that's, but the that's other meth stuff. that you yeah. rub on your teeth. I guess I don't know. That was never my <laughs> flavor, but yeah. uh, I was able to eat a carrot cake, so oh. that was good. Oh. Um, but I think we saved hibachi for this weekend. Thanks for reminding me. I'm gonna hibachi this weekend. Yeah. We used to go out to hibachi. I'm a little afraid of dying uh, of yeah. COVID. Just. Lately, it seems like there's more of it around on Long Island. So. There definitely is. Around us, um, it's up a lot. I mean, not that, you know, I know the survival <laughs> like rate is or low something. and all this other stuff. You know, my son is a bit of a COVID. He embraces a certain amount of COVID conspiracy thinking, yeah. um, you know, but I, I don't know. I just, for a while there in the summer, I was okay with going out. Now I'm yeah. just kind of like, eh, I don't You're getting know. a little weird. Yeah, yeah. well, the um, the news is starting to get a little, uh, I don't know what it's like by don't everybody the out main, there. The lamestream media. The lamestream media, right. Don't believe the hype, guys. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to wish anyway. you a happy birthday. Thank you. I, and, uh, I appreciate that. I'm uh, happy you've taken another trip around the sun and spaceship Earth. And My wife got me a harmonium, which is uh, an instrument used in devotion chanting in uh, uh, yoga circles. A harmonium. So, You're right. You told me that. And then I couldn't picture a harmonium. So maybe very, put a link in the show notes. It's an accordion that you, it's an accordion like that's one? on a stand, basically. You play it. It's like a bellows in the back and a little keyboard. Weird. Yeah. Huh. Pretty neat. I'm sure I I've seen one before. She's, she, Aaron actually just started learning how to play the flute. Really? Yeah. Huh. Ordered a flute from Amazon and just been practicing every day. I remember how to play the flute. I had to take flute when I was a music yeah? teacher. Well, you give Aaron some lessons. Yeah, I don't remember that well. I re- all I remember is the trick that they taught us to how to get your embouchure correct. Well, it's like that seems like you a good kiss thing it to know. like this, and then you rotate, roll it, and then you're in the right position, and it looks like this, <laughs> and then you go. It's like like this. You look like Robert De Niro. That's a great... You do the De Niro face. That's great radio. Yeah, it is. Everybody can see your face. That's right. My parents always said I got a face made for radio. 
All right, enough of that. Let's talk about Steve Adler. Steve who was, Adler. Who the fuck? He was Guns N' Roses, but which one? Which which Guns and, and which Roads? He was the drummer. Oh, okay. But not only that, Steve Adler is famous in the uh, recovery community because because of his role on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Oh, Drew okay. and Bob Forrest. Okay. Um, so he was like, he became, you know, not that he was a clean hero or anything, but just that he was the subject of um, addiction uh, television shows. And so... Um, was he involved in the recent reunion? Is he in the band now? Um, I don't know. I'm not up on what mm-hmm. he's doing today, but... okay. Uh, he had a band called Adler's Appetite that basically just mm-hmm. made money off of Guns N' Roses. So this story is is pretty much his addiction story. Um, uh-huh. But you know, with like like with scar tissue and Anthony Kiedis, um, which is Anthony Kiedis's seminal work about his you know uh, addiction story. But there's a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers story in his. Oh, yeah. And so same thing with. Steve Adler is, there's a lot about uh, Guns N' Roses. And so I'm of the age, let's see, um, when when Guns N' Roses was in their prime, you know, I was like 14 or something. So this is like, you know, Guns N' Roses was huge for me. So this was super interesting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also knowing about, you know, because I was watching uh, Sober House and um, Celebrity Rehab, um, I watched that, you know, within the last year, I finally watched all of those. Okay. So I have like a recent acquaintance with, uh, Steve Adler's drug story, you know? So this was pretty interesting. Also, Steve, I think made a, um, an appearance on Dopey recent in the last couple of years, oh. uh, as a checkup. So it's all about his story, like starting out his life and, you know, becoming a rock star. So you learn all about when he met, um, Slash, whose real name is like Saul or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like right. Solomon, like Greenberg. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. Suburban kid from L.A. Yeah, he's actually, you know, one of the most famous. Um, there's a few famous Jewish uh, uh, lead guitarists like that. I think Leslie West was another one who actually just recently passed away. Leslie West yes, from Mountain. Mountain. <laughs> um and so the book is kind of like it, it highlights, you know, basically his journey, you know, in, in, into this crazy rock stardom. I mean, and that's almost every rock star memoir is you get to see this amazing thing. They almost always rise up from some abusive situation. And the story arc is not unique to no. each person. And, uh, and so there's a lot of that. He was abused and, you know, this. I wish I had taken notes if I had planned to do this. I think moving forward, one of the things I want to do is because I listen to so many books. Mm-hmm. I'll actually start taking notes when I'm reading these books so I can relay the story better. I think uh, the audience might get a kick out of that. So like Cliff's Notes version. So this guy... He, he gets into crack. Gets into crack. Okay. Um, I mean, he gets into everything, but towards the end of his stuff, I mean, it's really... I mean, not only does he get into crack, but he gets so effed up, like, on in the band. And, and ultimately, everybody gets into drugs and gets kicked out. Axl Rose is finally the only member in Guns N' Roses that's touring at some point right, in Guns N' Roses, right. you know? Yeah. And, but people and, would rather see Velvet Revolver because they were a better band. Right. Exactly. That was a good band. <laughs> good were, record. They were good. Um, but, uh, so it's all about, um, so Steve Adler gets himself in a situation, I think Appetite for Destruction, which is one of the biggest and best records of all time, rock mm. records of all time. And, um, somehow he's so fucked up on drugs. He doesn't know where he is. He starts missing shows and can't even fucking hit it in the studio. He goes to like record civil war, which was on the use your illusions Two record. Great song opening track. And, um, and he's just like not at a plate. He can't do shit. Mm. So w- the guy that's been his friend and manager all these years, uh, you know, says, Oh, come in. I just need you to sign a couple things. You know, that story he <laughs> yeah. does after that. Basically, what it said is you get $2,000 for all of your contributions wow. to Guns N' Roses up to this point. I think he signed his, away his, like, royalties and, like, everything. Man. And um, the next day, they're like, oh, we got another drummer. Oh, and by the way, you've got no rights. So once he sobered up, he realized what he had lost. That's so, kind of a shitty thing to do. It was extremely shitty. But the thing is, all of, like, Slash... And Duff and Izzy and even Axel, they were all drug users. So he was like, "What the fuck?" Like he, he's getting kicked out. Meanwhile, they're more, all more doing money heroin. for their for their habit. You and know? in fact, there's corresponding books, addiction memoirs. If I'm 
you know, if I remember correctly, there's Izzy, mm-hmm. Duff, and um, Slash all have, you know, addiction memoirs. That and so <laughs> the whole band. Um, yeah, even I think Axel must have had, had some kind of problem. Uh, he suffered famously from LSD, lead singer disease, which is yeah, very, uh, it's just being it's an a, asshole. It's an egoistic. <laughs> it's uh, just being problem. an asshole. Um, uh, that's that's. Interesting. I always associated that band with heroin more than cocaine. I don't know why. Maybe because the yeah, one the, me when too. I when I first heard the song Mister sure. Brownstone. Well, that's what it's all I about. I was in a I was in a bathroom. One of the few times I I snorted heroin. I was yeah. listening to that song in a bathroom, and it was like a interesting. Yeah, it was it was Mr. a random Brownstone. a random moment. And I was like, I know what this song is about. I could hear it. I've heard song. What, what is that? Start off something something about eleven. Yeah, something I, something round. I wake up at eleven. Right. Right. Something, something. Yeah, just it's been a, it's been a couple right. few, but um, yeah, good band. Sad. I mean, did did is there a happy ending? Did he <laughs> to the story? No, it, it's interesting. It's not a happy ending, really. It, it reminds me of Artie Lang's book, where he goes through all of this turmoil and all this hard, horrible things. And most most uh, addiction memoirs, it's like the hero's journey. Yes. Joseph Campbell's you hero's have journey. Have a redemption right? at the end. Right? Yeah, the friends come in and save you, and right. then it's you redeemed. And then right. in the final scene of a Joseph Campbell hero's journey, you want to have just like at the end of Star Wars, where. Lou Skywalker is on the stage mm-hmm. and he's a new man, right? Or every episode of Behind the Music that was right. ever put on VH1. <laughs> exactly. They, they all end the same way. So at the end of, of this book, um, you just get a feeling that he's just not dead. Right. You don't get a feeling of like major <laughs> redemption. Like, uh-huh. um, and that was the same thing well, with Hardy Lang. How old's the book? I don't know. It's a good question. I think it's like 2012 or 8 or something. That's, that's a few years ago. Yeah. By the time he got on to Dopey's uh, interview, um, he was pretty much saying like that he's just smoked weed. And, you know, so he, he didn't like, look, he's not killing himself with crack as far as we know anymore. But, right. you know, um, he's also. Well, if you're selling an addiction memoir, you kind of have to be somewhat sober for it. For, you know, to You'd reach think. the audience that you wanted to reach. Yeah. Um, but it not. turns out a lot of them aren't that way. Like the, a very famous one, The Lost Weekend, which was written, in, I think, in the 40s. Made into the movie starring Probably. Gregory Peck? Maybe. Was it? Yeah, I think so. Or I only yeah. just heard about it because I read this book, which was essentially uh, a, this woman's doctoral thesis about addiction memoirs. <laughs> like, So it, I think this person like was taking her doctoral thesis her, her doctorate in studying addiction memoirs, uh-huh. like famous ones. So I didn't realize it, but I was listening to this book that was essentially a study of addiction memoirs, most of which I had already read, hmm. but some of which I had never heard of, like The Lost Weekend. Um, in any case, so... I'm sorry, it was it was Ray Milland. Never never heard of it. Oh, oh, okay. uh, The Lost Weekend. So, yeah, sorry. Acor- I, I just, according to this person writing this book, which I will tell you what that is at some point when I remember, um, that uh, famously everybody wanted this guy. It was a very celebrated, The Lost Weekend was celebrated at the time for, you know, his story. And everyone thought he was so great. And But in the truth of it was they wanted this follow-up book to it. But he relapses, oh. and then, and then, but later on, he gets very into Alcoholics Anonymous, and he talks about it and how. So, for, so for uh, those of yeah. us who have not read The Lost Weekend, right. back in 1958 or whenever it was it was written, yeah. it is the story of a man who has a big alcohol problem and then sobers up at the end. Yeah, it's something like that. I didn't read it yet. Yeah. Okay. I, I've gotten like an hour or two through. Okay, all right, all right. It's um, I'm I'm really I like those gritty, you know. Gritty street stories, mm. kind of like um, uh, an author I'm hoping to have on soon. My friend Kevin's cousin wrote a book called Suburban Gangsters, mm. mm-hmm. um, and I've been talking to this gentleman, this author, and I'm very excited to have him on. Um, but that's uh, that's in the future, you know. He's coming on soon. But having said that, so that's um, my Appetite for Destruction by Ad- Steve Adler. Uh, I guess I recommend it. Um, I would recommend the book to all my friends. Hmm. Um, I'll have to give that a give that a whirl. Yeah, so that brings us to I think our first subject. This is probably the main subject of this episode. It's we wanted to talk a little bit about smart recovery. Yeah, what is smart recovery, Mike? Well, what is smart recovery? Smart recovery is a different way of approaching recovery. It's uh, is it for, smart or stupid? Well, it's it's recovery for people. <laughs> Without a need for a higher power, it's basically based on cognitive behavioral therapy, which mm-hmm. is changing the way that you look at uh, a set of 
facts and things that come into your brain and sort of reframing so that you see them differently. Um, there's online meetings, there's face-to-face meetings, um, and uh, it's been around for, for a while. Uh, they've done some studies on it. They, um, they discovered that people who pursued abstinence did as well across uh, all recovery factors as members of AA. Uh, among people who want to use it to completely abstain, uh, the results were similar, so they're, I guess, not effective. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Or, or, you know, effective, very effective for some and, and not at all effective for others. So, so it's an abstinence oriented organization for individuals with addictive problems. They don't limit themselves to alcohol and drugs. They're also, um, so this would be like Gabriel. If I like had it, if I was addicted to buying CDs yes. in the nineties, yes. What about mini discs? If I were addicted to buying mini discs, is it the same thing? That would have been a small meeting, probably. What about laser discs? Uh, even smaller. Laser discs? Yeah. Okay. Those were interesting, though. Um, the whole okay. So the so how does it differ from AA? Well, it's grounded in self empowerment. So so, so the first step does not exist, and in fact, what the, is the first step? Admitting that we are powerless over alcohol, over alcohol. our addiction, then that mm-hmm. our lives have become unmanageable. Right. So smart recovery doesn't do that. You don't have to. You don't have to uh, admit that you are powerless. No. You don't. In fact, the whole program is predicated on you reasserting your own power, taking your own power back. What? Mm. That goes against everything that's been beaten into me for ten years in recovery. So they don't use the uh, the label addict or alcoholic. Because what? they think that's self that's self-limiting thing? and and because of the, the it defines you and puts you into a little box. So this can't possibly so work. The idea is you, you may There's be, no way this works. Well, I don't know, man. It works for some. It does. It works for about the same amount of people that AA works for who, who try it. You can use your will. See one of the Oh, I don't I wouldn't say that. Oh, will is different I from I think power. willpower is different from Cuz if you take your will back, that's always a bad thing in in 12 step and recovery. Well, will willpower is uh, like a muscle, right? Don't be willful. And muscles get tired after you use them. I got to stand up because my back is killing. Oh, All he's right. doing the stand-up comedy stand up. All right, let's talk about smart recovery. <laughs> um, so, okay, so they believe that uh, the fact that you're powerless, that you lose control, is an unhelpful belief that may be damaging to you um, because they sort of set you up for a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. So you're powerless. So the first time you t- you pick up a drink and you take a sip, that's it. You're going out for three days. Right. Not you hear them yet. say that a lot. If I have one drink, I am going to die. Right. I will never come back. Um, the, the, whole, the whole thing is recovery through self-empowerment, right? People seeking change should be fully informed about the range of options available and free to choose among them. People must take responsibility for their own change. So no turning your, turning your uh, will over to a higher power. Mm. Um, because, so the power, the because the power to change addictive behaviors resides within each individual and does not depend on an, in any adherence to a spiritual viewpoint. They don't, um, they don't say that the use of spiritual beliefs or religion in recovery is bad. They just mm-hmm. think it's irrelevant. Interesting. Huh. I mean, use it, if you, use it if you need it. Don't use it if you don't. Or if you want to, you know. Right. Now, so. when I was in 12-step, or I mean, you could say I am in, I'm currently in 12-step, just... Um, I should note it's a, it's an abstinence oriented program. They want you to be abstinent, mm-hmm. but am I? So I've been told for years that you better get stupid, buddy. Your best thinking got you where you are right well, now. Well, no, you're. It's not that clearly wasn't your best thinking, right? But the idea is to stop thinking so much and take some direction. That's what AA and twelve well, steps. I mean, says. you can you can stop take, thinking so much. You can take as much direction. You can't outthink addiction, Mike. You, you can take as much direction from you can't learning how this. to change the way you're thinking than you can't from this. somebody that you have to talk to every day on the phone. Right. right? Who do you have sponsors in Smart Recovery or no? There, are, I don't think they call them sponsors. I think you it's like a mentor, maybe. Yeah, because the meetings are facilitated. Right. So there is, yeah. some, there are people who are, who go through a training program mm-hmm. and facilitate the meeting. Oh, see, that's a big difference between AA, uh, just off the bat is mm-hmm. that they have a trained, like sort of like outpatient where they have like a social worker who is leading the group. Mm-hmm. You have the facilitator and then the members. They draw from the smart recoveries toolbox and, you know, teach people how to, um, well, they have a they have a program, a four point program. The first point is building and maintaining the motivation to change. Mm-hmm. Then, once that's 
in there, they teach you how to cope with urges to use, right. then to manage your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors in a more effective way uh, so that you don't respond with addictive behaviors. And then finally, um, living a balanced, positive, and healthy life. And then you can graduate from the program. Wow. So you get cured? <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Um, I've seen this before. You know, um, you never were in like a, a program of any kind, right? You never had to go to like a facility. Correct. Right? Nothing like mm-hmm. that. So I like when I was going into my mandated outpatient and inpatient stuff, like I used to see uh, signs for smart recovery because usually at, at facilities, outpatient places, they also host like NA, HA, CA, you know, so you're able to come uh, back to the facility like at night, but right. to go to like a self-help meeting. And um, there was always a sign somewhere. They always bring up smart recovery, but it's always an aside. It's always like, you know, and if you're such a schmuck that you just can't get it with AA. <laughs> if you want to fail, you can try right. smart recovery down the hall. Like, have you already the given up? Closet. Have you <laughs> already given up? Try this. <laughs> you know, where it maybe it could be. Well, I think we've um, discussed in the past how that's perhaps counterproductive to getting people well. No? Yeah. Well, forcing them into, into one room when I, there's I other rooms agree. available. I mean, yeah. I, did, I have not used smart recovery myself. I haven't um, either, but I'm, I'm learning about it. It's really interesting. And it, it reminds me of Gabor Mate's four-step thing. It's different steps, but, you know, he's another guy with the same idea of self-empowerment. But I do think there's a lot of similarities between his way of thinking and, and their way of addressing the, 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 the program. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, so much of, of smart recovery is just learning learning about your brain, learning how you think and mm-hmm. disrupting negative patterns of thought that yeah. lead you down the road to, to addiction. And, um, you know, they do that without you having to turn your will over to God or pr- through prayer and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can see how it would be much more appealing to people who do not have uh, any sort of a spiritual center in their lives. You may be the 26% of people in the United States who don't actually believe in, uh, any kind of organized religion or anything, you know? Mm, so, so it's a godless, um, no, it doesn't have to be. What I like about it is that it's, um, it allows you to recover. And, uh, we were having this conversation and, uh, about recovered. And sometimes people mm-hmm. will hear me on this show say recovered. Right. Um, and we've gotten some, uh, pushback, Especially from that AA guy, who incidentally isn't Jeff. No, I which knew I that. screwed up, and I yeah. was saying, this, "There's another Jeff too." We know mostly people named Jeff. It turns out <laughs> it seems like the only, <laughs> they like our podcast so, for some reason. So, if we're talking about Jeff, it's, chances are there's three different people. No, um, I can mostly tell the difference. But um, what I did was uh, I heard one time on a speech uh, that I was listening to a speaker tape that a guy was talking about the word recovered. And he's mm. like, listen, recovered, if you don't like it and you're an AA, hello, it appears. And I forget the number of times it was like 20, 27, 27 times. He says uh, that it would, it would appear. So in the big book, in the big book, right. and, you know, and I remembered that and I did a little bit of reading myself. <laughs> I um, saw your notes. It was a little crazy. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to read them all, but I determined that I, I wanted to see, is that true? Um, so I just wanted to read a couple of them. So for anybody out there who's upset with me using the word recovered, because in your AA program, you, you if you say recovered, it means somehow that that's antithetical to the process. Mm-hmm. But in the basic text, the out book of Alcoholics Anonymous, we have several instances, starting with uh, on the very first, at the beginning of it, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless body, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. Um, Let me me ask you a question. How have we recovered? That's just to start. Let me ask you this. 23 more times. They say, AA says recovered, Mm -hmm. but what does that mean in a practical sense? Does that mean you don't have to keep attending meetings. I'll Does tell you mean? exactly. No, it, what it what it means is you can now travel anywhere, go anywhere, go to. You could go to a bar. You can wake up in the morning and you're not thinking about drinking anymore. 
except you're recovered. If you somehow, by some weird twist of fate, you yep. find yourself in a reality where there are no Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, in the middle of a pandemic, pandemic? perhaps. Yeah. Um, if you're recovered, mm-hmm. why is the relapse rate so high? Because those people aren't actually recovered. Oh. Right. <laughs> if you actually recovered... Um, well, here's a good, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. That's on the PDF, page 41. Um, here's another one. Further on, clear-cut directions are given showing how we recover. So, if you'd like, there's a few instances in the big book where it says recovered when it talks about recovering from some kind of gastric sickness. So, these are all specifically, and I'll, we'll put this in the show notes, maybe. All of them? A link to it. Let's put a link to it. This is my research here. Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> Just send me the link. Uh, how many times recovered appears, but not only that, look at the context of how Bill and the other 100 original alcoholics who you know, wrote the big book together with Bill, what were they talking about? Why did they use the word recovered? What is the context? So we're going to have over 20 uh, instances of that. So I invite you to look at that and reexamine um, what you thought you knew about the big book. Moving right. on. Right. So... So there was that. So yeah, talking about the ability to to graduate, as you said. Yeah. So so they say right on their website, Smart Recovery, that the length of time an individual will derive help from Smart is variable. I guess given that people have different, uh, you know, abilities to internalize and use information, whatever. Mm-hmm. For many sincere participants, there will come a time when attending our groups or participating in other services is more in conflict with the pursuit of their life goals than enhancing them. Mm. Although these participants will always be welcome back if they want to come, this conflict signals that the time for graduation has arrived. <laughs> graduation. So Imagine graduating from a recovery program and never having to come back. I love how what they say there, which is when your life gets fixed, let's say, mm-hmm. quote unquote, or repaired to the point that now these meetings are actually getting in the way of you probably like spending time with your son or getting to the, your, the job that you finally got because you've stopped using. Right. You know, whereas the attitude I've always gotten is while I was in recovery is as my life got back together and I would get new opportunities, they'd be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, 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 no. Yeah. You're not ready for that. Right. You can't work the steps. You have to wait a year. Meanwhile, when when they wrote the big book, do you think uh, uh, Bill uh, waited a year to save these alcoholics' lives? No. Giving them the steps? They thought it was the cure to give them the steps. They did the steps in a week, maybe. They did them If we are looking at the difference between smart recovery and something like AA, I mean... um, Shoot, I had a thought, and it just went running right out of my fucking head. Um, You know, I know, I did too. Well, the thing is, the reason why um, we have to always compare it to AA, and I know it's... now I know what I was going to say. Sorry. I'm going to forget that one. Well, because AA is, is, um, it's looking, it's a constant source of self-critique and um, uh, looking at your... I don't want to call them flaws. What are they? What's the word? Character defects. Character defects. You're constantly looking at yourself and and there's this idea that you as an alcoholic are somehow a shitty person that needs to be redeemed by using the steps. You have a disease. You're not a shitty person. Oh, okay. You have a disease. (laughs) Yes. But constantly focusing on your character defects. I don't know. To me, that seems unhealthy, but... Um, well, to remove character defects is unhealthy. I don't know, because you have to keep finding new ones, right? What What if you run out of them? Well, you never get perfect. Ah, so there's an, there's an endless source of character defects that As one human must beings examine who- very closely all the time. So to keep in your head yeah. the fact that there's something wrong with you, that you can never be a normal person because you're an alcoholic and you're wired differently from everybody else and you blah, can, blah, blah. It's, yeah. not, it's not as if you have um, just a, you know, perhaps internalized a way of thinking that's not helpful to you living your life, right? Because it's spiritual, it's not scientific. I guess that's the difference, right? Because they see it as you, you, you need yeah. to unwind the way your brain is thinking about um, alcohol, drugs, whatever the behavior is, and rewire it to think in a different way. And once you've done doing that, mm. then... Right, well, maybe the difference why, is... Why do you need to keep focusing on it? Maybe the difference is if you've got uh, a knot that you can't get out on your shoelace, let's say, you're trying to untie your shoe, mm-hmm. and you're not able to get it, 
Now, one way is to take, you know, finally maybe put the shoe on the table, take a closer look, get out a pin. I don't know if you've ever removed a big nut and then really get in. Have you removed a knot before? with a pin. With a pin. So um, there's that. Or you can pray that it'll come undone. (laughs) Well... You know, See, this goes or, or you pray, yeah. and then you fiddle with the knot and it comes undone, and you, you think that it was the prayer that did it. No, well, it didn't hurt to pray, did it? it I don't know. In that it's scenario. You might have gotten the knot undone quicker if you didn't stop to pray. <laughs> that brings me back to the <laughs> meme that I did on our, our Facebook uh, page this week that has uh, raised your hackles. I, I, made <laughs> I wouldn't a gut. say it raised my hackles. I just. Uh, what is a hackle? Uh, anyway, but you. Um, were upset that I, I did a God one. I wouldn't even use the word upset. I was just... Concerned? I was contemplating whether we wanted to identify that way as a show. That's all. Was, yeah, I know. And I agreed somewhat. You did? Um, we, so if anybody didn't see it, it's if you ask God to move a mountain, you better bring a shovel. Now, what my point was was to say that don't just say Jesus will save me and pray for it and right. hope for the best. Right. You got to do something. Mm-hmm. I know um, what you meant. Yes. But I get it. We don't want to be like, we're not a Christian podcast. I just didn't, you know what weirded me out more right. than you putting that up was like, was all the people who were all the people like, amen, amen, amen. amen. I'm like, wow. One of us. I like, maybe I've been, One maybe I've been us. totally like misjudging our audience <laughs> all along, you know? But yeah. All right. So that was my fault. That was my fault. There's no fault. I got too religious. To go, to go you know, a lot of what my meme creating has to do with is I just, I'm remembering, I have thousands of these little sayings that I always thought were great that I heard and memorized. And I'll think of them and then I'll go, oh, I got to make a meme out of that. So, some of them are very good sayings. I mean, I like I like my Winston Churchill memes. Anything by Winston Churchill is great. <laughs> oh, I got a good one for, um, from Albert Einstein involving wearing stripes and plaids. It's a famous one. I can't think of it. Um, so in any case, but I digress. Throw it up. Back to smart recovery. We have a lot to talk about on smart recovery. Do we? I thought we were almost getting to the end. Um, no. Oh, right. Okay. So, okay. Wait, here's a four-point program. Right. Okay. So the motivation to abstain, right? And, and it's a, it's not a static program, well, which right. is my favorite. Under under each one of these yeah. four points, there's, uh, there's sub-points, right? Yeah. So like under the motivation to abstain... One of the tools that you, you that they teach you is to look at the stage of cha- stages of change and find out where you are. So there's like the pre-contemplation stage where maybe the court is sending you to AA, but you're like, "Fuck this! I'm, I have no interest in in right. recovering right now." And then there's the contemplation stage where you're, where you're like, "Well, maybe there is something wrong that I need to address here." And then there's mm-hmm. the preparation. You're like, "Well, I'm going to do a dry January." you know, next time one rolls around. And then there's the action stage where you're like, I'm not drinking today. And then there's the maintenance stage where you figure out, you know, you should, why you should stay not drinking, right? Mm. It's sort of like grief, you know, the five stages stages of grief. grief. The stages of of not drinking, right? Right. Or whatever. Here's the stages of starting to think about maybe fixing to get sober. Right. So, so when you're, in the contemplation stage, uh, they suggest doing a cost-benefit analysis, or a, which is a decision-making worksheet where you list all of the positives from drinking on one side and all of the negatives from the other side, and then you try and decide. You take a look at that, and you 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 one you look and you see. You make well. A, you make a decision. Like and you can see it, and you do it visually. Like I said, when I took my drunken driver program class, we had to do that. Where not exactly, but it was at the end of my drunken driver program class, which I had to take to get my license back, uh, along with a number of other things. Is we had this workbook, and she wanted us to determine roughly. What did you spend on your DWI? Mm-hmm. So you had to factor in like, oh, how many drinks did I have a day? And right. you, know, you factor that in. How long? The cost. Yeah. What, what was the cost? How much were you drinking that night? What did the lawyer cost? That's the fun one. Mm-hmm. Fines. <laughs> how about your fines? Then calculate, did you lose your job? What was your lost salary? Mm-hmm. You know, did you get your job back? <laughs> so I, I came to life. And then what did you put on, what do you put on the benefit column? 
There were, no, it wasn't a cost no. benefit. It was all all loss. Yeah. It was almost <laughs> yeah. There wasn't a place for you to say what good came out of right. this because you, it, it's you already know. Nothing. Well, that may, I must have made an impression on you because that's yes. you remember it. Everybody yeah. collectively groans when you get that final number, and yeah. she goes around the class, and everybody say it. Yeah. You have to tell them how yeah, much yeah, was yeah. it. I think mine was like two hundred thousand dollars, you know, or more. Uh, nightmare, nightmare. But and then that didn't include, you know, the the lost time with my children. It doesn't include the lo- all mm-hmm. of the lost opportunities, you know, in right. business. So that goes down on your cost benefit analysis and smart recovery, and you, where you can yeah. see it written out on paper, and then think, and then you think about that for a little while. It's, yeah, it, that does something to me, and I think to a lot of people to see it like that. Right. Um, but that goes against the notion of just being dumb and having faith, like. If, you know, I was told so many times in, 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 in AA, just get stupid. Stop thinking about it. You can't think your way out of this. Yeah, uh, I don't know. And I, if you read a, a million little pieces, they really um, capture that that um, attitude when he's there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and even if it is fictional, it's very accurate. I remember what it was like to be at one of those places. It's almost exactly like he describes it. Um and anybody who's really been to rehab would agree with me, I think. Um, but overall, it's that idea of you're too smart. Stop. Yeah. Nobody ever thought their way out of this. Yeah, but you, you kind of thought your way into it, though, didn't you? Um, not if you feel like Annie Grace, that we were manipulated into it. Well, huh? but does something happen to you or is it? What happened to me is I spent my whole life as a child watching American television, commercials, baseball games, beers mm. everywhere. And then it's just... That's a good point. Right? I mean, I had no control. Well... It was completely... Yeah. I was you always, you always have control. You no can always control. make a decision. I'm, I'm an right? addict. Mm. Mike, I'm an addict. I don't have control over well, myself. Well, if you... The grace of God is why I'm sitting here right now. Yeah, maybe grace so. Of God. I mean, the... <laughs> so... Right. You move on from the cost-benefit analysis to right. the ABCs of REBT. There's a lot of acronyms, right? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, there's 12 steps, so there's acronyms, right? It's the ABCs of Reba McIntyre. <laughs> so the ABCs are an exercise from rational emotive behavior therapy, which is a form of cognitive therapy, which is used to examine the beliefs that you have or the thinking that you're doing um, about something like drinking uh, and see why that might be causing problems. So the ABCs help you stop from being victimized by your own thinking. So in a sense... I like this. It is. It, you, you are changing the way you were thinking without asking God to change it for you. Yeah, right? I, I agree. I think that's a great... I so so, so they, they use a, the, the common example they cite is the issue of somebody else's behavior, like making you angry. Right. That's an Al-Anon angle, too. Yeah. Right. right. Like, because nobody makes you angry. Nobody you can make steal, yourself angry. Right. <laughs> you steal. You right. can't steal my joy. You just or you feel angry about somebody else's right. something somebody else is doing. It's and why are you angry? Because they're not doing the thing the way that you want You're them to do. You're out of control. Do. Right. Right. So it really is. A, it's a it's a way of. So it's learning re- to see things. Rejigging as, your ego, like yeah. re, re, refocusing your Right, like who approach. do you think you are that, you know, you need to have everything, you know, function exactly mm-hmm. the way you expect it or else it's worthless. Like, right. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's irrational right. and it's self-defeating to get worked up about somebody else's behavior. No, I like this. And you know what? I, I, I So love, she made me drink. I had to drink because yeah. of this. I had to drink because... Whatever, fill in the reason. And, and I feel like this is the type of thing I d- I've done over the past, you know, 10 years in order to get to find recovery, mm-hmm. but I just didn't have it as a, as a group. I feel like it's all the stuff I had to find out on my own, doing my own research. <laughs> and here it was, somebody had written it all down. Right? I know, it was in Smart Recovery. <laughs> Meanwhile, I thought everything written was just um, what had been handed to me. I mean, obviously, we'll link to the uh, Smart Recovery resources if anybody so wants I, to check them out, so... So, I mean, a lot of this is how many people are doing it, how many meet, because they do support meetings. So, like, if you replaced Smart Recovery's support network with AAs mm-hmm. and just swapped out the materials <laughs> and what they were doing, you know, would, would we have a success have, rate of, like, 60%? I don't know. You instead you'd of have five? A, you'd have a fight on your hands. It'd be interesting. I don't know if we so, want to go into what exactly the ABC is. Uh, we're... 
53 minutes. We should probably move well, on a little bit. But I, here's what I'd like to say. I think we have we hit a bunch of you know basic points about smart recovery. Mm-hmm. I think um, why don't we we'll end it here and. Um, and then you and I will talk this week, maybe, and, and maybe we'll hear from some of our listeners out there what you guys think of smart recovery. Do you have experience with smart recovery? Yeah, you know, if you do, I'd have, love to hear. Yeah, I would like people. to hear from you because I don't do. know anybody who's like I did smart recovery and I've been sober for twenty years now. You know, yeah, I would love to hear that. Um, so, if anybody out there. Uh, has experienced with smart recovery, uh, put it on your story at middleagesrecovery.com. Or send me an email because I would love to have you on the show. Oh, what's your email? I don't, what is it? <laughs> uh, my email is, uh, what is my email? Mike, Mike R. R. at middleagesrecovery.com. Right. And I'm at Nat X at middleagesrecovery.com. Yeah. Um, and okay, great. Um, I, I love to talk about smart recovery because it's one of those things that I never know enough about. And the more I hear about it, the happier I am. There's a, I love there's a it. weird like offshoot of smart called rational recovery, which I want to touch on that okay. in a future episode. I don't have a pen. Yeah. I mean, you remember that. I'll remember. Rational recovery. Rational recovery. So uh, any comments about that? Great. Okay. Um, now I think it is time for recovery in, in the-, the news. Yeah. All right. Recovery in the news. Uh, this week's story comes to us from the Falmouth how do you say that? Falmouth. Not being, not being, a, you not being a Boston person. It, it, the Falmouth it, it, Enterprise. No, it's pronounced foul mouth. Is it really? <laughs> Just <laughs> I, like everybody else, it's not. Boston. Um, <laughs> right. It's been uh, it's a newspaper that has been serving the Upper Cape. I guess they mean Cape Cod since 1895. And the uh, title of the story is Falmouth Police Increasingly Fight Drug and Alcohol Addiction with Involuntary Treatment. That is a hell of a title so i guess in massachusetts there is a uh involuntary addiction treatment law on the books and has been for 50 years that uh in recent years has been the falmouth police department's go-to uh tool for combating the opioid crisis when urging people to get help does not work um and every year for the last several years they have been uh referring more and more people um to involuntary treatment like being committed yep they petitioned the court 74 times in 2020 under the uh, Section 35 law to have a person with drug or alcohol abuse issues committed to a locked treatment center against their will. But I bet you there's <laughs> times in people's lives where they've had a loved one they wish they could have done that to. Uh, that is exactly what the story goes on to uh, to talk about. Um so Sergeant Simino, who they interviewed for this story, said, we typically get pushback from the person involved. Not, not, not a surprise there. Uh, and the majority of the time, the family is at their wits end and they have run out of options to help their loved ones. And so generally support the attempt. Um, it's meant to save those who are on the verge of death from addiction, this, this legal section, mm. and considered a last resort intervention. So what do we think of that? Uh, I like it. You like it. It's sort of like a um, intervention with teeth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and how many times, I mean, look, this is a delicate question because you're dealing with people's freedoms and, you know, but anybody who has been an addict or been involved with an addict, you know, knows that the only parallel thing you can do is to put them in jail. And that's what mm-hmm. they do. Right. So maybe this is a better alternative mm-hmm. than, you know, cause you'll see that cause it's on in- intervention. If anybody out there watches that television show intervention, I mean, it, you almost always get into a scenario where the family like is basically told you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them not drink. Right. Yeah. See yeah I, I got it. There? Yep. Mm-hmm. A good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if instead of jail being the other thing, they could, you know, um, forced uh, treatment. Um, I don't know how I mean, against it, that I am. It's not a real... I was forced to go into treatment by the law. So I had sort forced of, treatment. Right? I it mean, wasn't like a whim where you, there are some states where you can you can force somebody, I forget what it's called, where, you know, a family member can, can commit you for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. What is it called? Uh, involuntary d- detainer or something? There's like an act. 
you can be like somethingized. Yeah, like I know what Mike you're talking Rost. about. Yeah. It's like something that's happened before. Um, I'm not. I don't know. What do you think about? I mean, it? I mean it's a it's, violation of your rights. But if you're about to sort die, of. I mean, it's not. It's not a pro forma thing. You, you, you still have to go to court. You have to. The, the family gets to present. Social workers evaluate. Physicians evaluate. Psychologists evaluate. Wow. Um, you're entitled to a defense attorney if you feel like you don't belong there, but. The, uh, the crux of it is the judge has to find that the person has an addiction issue and is an imminent danger to himself or others. That's the standard. So why is the judge qualified to determine whether or not someone has an addiction issue or are they allowed to that, see experts and things like that? Yeah, is that what they mean? Yes. They're the finder of fact. They're the oh. ones that have to make the ultimate decision. I don't, what I don't know is whether there's... Who's the president that appointed that judge, though? That's the question. Is it a federal well, I think it's judge? A, I think it's a, it's a state law, so it's probably a state judge. Okay. So, I mean, I would like to think that, like, some judges sit in drug court in Massachusetts. They have just have some judges that are familiar with this, or they're the same judges that do regular mental health commitment hearings. Right. You know? Um, like drug court judges? Are they considered mental health? I don't... That's a good question. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, those judges did grant more than 80% of the requests that they heard. Jesus. Which ended up being more than 6,000 people sent into forced treatment in Massachusetts. I think this, is, this errs on the side of saving people's lives less ruining people's good times. You I know, mean, yeah. I, 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 I think it's going to be used probably for the few times that some teenager has overbearing parents that gets, uh, you know, put in treatment against his will. It's worth it, I think. Well, I, to I give mean, people it, the power. It sounds like they have like a bureaucratic structure, you know. So it's not just a whim, like 5150, no, uh, like, I mean, they, they, they actually track overdoses. Like, yeah. um, so if, if somebody's had like more than one or two, they, you know, they become on the radar as a candidate <laughs> for this sort of thing, you know. Gotcha. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, they, it started off being primarily alcohol-related, um, and then, you know, with the opioid crisis, it, it's become now mostly opioid uh, commitments. So, mm. I don't know. Interesting. Raises a lot of constitutional questions, but... Uh, you know, there's a long history in this country of committing people <laughs> to mental institutions for yeah. various reasons. So I think they're just sort of piggybacking. I always think of that Mary Kennedy or which Kennedy uh, was. Well, that was a lobotomy. That was a whole But still, thing. I think about, anytime I think about a, f- a family forcing something on a child, like mental health related, I think of that. Well, it is Cape that, Cod. That is the, <laughs> right where that happened. Um, just in any case, anyone wants to look that up, that was who? Mary Kennedy? Yeah. Um, you can it was Google. JFK's sister. And anyway, that is. Recovery in the news. Yeah. We got to make sure that the sound is out before we do weak and weird. Don't we always get them mixed up? I feel like it's out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And this week in weird. Yeah. This week I'm actually paying attention to what I'm yes. doing. This week in weird ghost filmed. At gas station in India? It's a question. A curious piece of footage out of India appears to show some kind of apparition making a brief appearance behind a group of men gathered at a gas station posted online over the weekend. Details surrounding the video are scant at best, although it is said to have been filmed at a birthday party in the city of Raikur. Whether it occurred recently or not is a matter of conjecture, as the lack of masks on the men would seem to suggest that it took place sometime prior to the coronavirus pandemic unfolding. Hmm. Check out the spooky video on our show notes. Wow. And that is from coasttocoastam.com. So it's just a ghost. It's a ghost on video. I mean, India is a pretty, like, crazy place, right? I mean, that is racist and a broad sweeping generalization well, about a gigantic country. What I meant but was... But yes, Indians are crazy. What I Mike. meant was that um, India has a long history of spiritualism and it's an extremely religious We're not talking country. about Native Americans. We're talking about I know what we're, talking, what we're talking about. I'm sorry, folks. I, I'm doing my best here with this guy, but he, he did just turn 65. Yeah. So we're dealing with something like that. Bit. I mean, I, I've just been reading a lot about India lately since I've been reading the Bhagavad Gita and the oh, Srimad Bhagavatam. So the it, does not, uh, it does not surprise me that ghosts are wandering around India. Right. Because, and I quote, Indians are crazy. <laughs> 
You I didn't actually, say that. I know, but <laughs> I've said that. But now I've twisted your words, you see. I said India is a crazy place. See, but I've twisted your words. You have. Um, I and think we've so, offended our Indian listener. <laughs> our Indian listener, <laughs> our web guy, my friend... Uh, my friend Udpal. Thank oh, you so much. Oh, shout out to Udpal for Thank keeping you. the website humming. Yeah. Thank you, sir. So that's uh, This Week in Weird. <laughs> I was a little off my cue there. And... Are we coming to the end now? This is it. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. <laughs> and guys, thanks for another great week. Follow us on Facebook. Um, join our private group on Facebook where you get private discussion with our other listeners and, and me and Mike and we can... Nat provides one-on-one therapy. I, I basically do, but I'm not certified by anyone or anything. Tweet us at twat. You twit. Find us on Twitter. Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, subscribe. We will read your review on the air like we did tonight. We really appreciate it. That's uh, middleagesrecovery.com. Stay tuned for all the exciting things that are happening. We've got a lot of great stuff planned for 2021. New year, uh, new you. It's going to be a hell of a year, guys. We're really looking forward to it. Oh, how many yep. of you folks have fallen off the wagon already? Just that. Show of hands. Wait, ready? Anybody? Show of hands. How many people have fallen off the wagon? <laughs> Listen, stick with it. Stick with it. And no because, matter what your program is. Hey, as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. See you next time, guys. Be good. Yeah.